Nomai, Hari Mai, Kitene Hotaka. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Pauline Freemanaho in for Wallace Chapman. Kitene today on the panel insurance. It's getting more expensive, so are more people now choosing to give up their policies? And keep their fingers crossed. A school is able to cope with the number of students now suffering from extreme anxiety. We'll catch up with the Mayor of Nelson as the waterlogged region braces for yet another heavy rain watch. you think they could catch a break, wouldn't you? And a bill has been introduced to Parliament today aimed at addressing the environmental and social impacts of freedom camping. Interested in your thoughts on any of these stories today, text us 2101 or email the panel at rnz.co.nz. And joining me today on the panel in the studio, which is a delight, Connor English, Director of Silver Eye Communications and former CEO of Federated Farmers. Kia ora. G'day. Yeah, how are you? Well, nice to be here. Well, thank you. And Paula Penfold, journalist with Stuff Circuit, with us also. Kia ora, Paula. Kia ora, kōroa. Nice to be here too. Well, we've got lots to talk about. We'll rip into it 13 minutes to four on the panel. Well, yesterday we mentioned that the COVID-19 pandemic has seen increasing demand for places in retirement villages, with concerns about older family members living at home during lockdowns. Well, we received a text from Barbara, who's living in a retirement village, but even though she did her due diligence before signing the contract, she's become disenchanted over the financial side of the arrangement. First, though, I asked why she chose to move out of her home and into retirement village accommodation. Interesting you should ask that question because I guess like many others, I moved into a retirement village after suffering my first ever health scare in my 70s. And I didn't really want to, as a single person, to be worrying about maintenance of a large home, etc., etc. So my family were a little bit surprised by it because I'd always been fit and healthy and didn't look like that's what I was going to do like they probably would have preferred me to go into something a little bit smaller and still have my own home. But by then I'd made a decision that I just wanted to not have to worry about whether the roof was going to cave in or whether my spouting needed cleaning, because I'd always done all that kind of work. So that's why I moved. And so I moved into an apartment block as an independent resident, which means basically living a life as you choose to. I see it more as my base, as I spend a lot of time still doing little bits of work outside the village. And do you enjoy the lifestyle? There's definite pluses, Lynn. Um, you lock up and leave. You That means safety. You have free maintenance. There's lots of things you can get here, like there's a free swimming pool, there's a library. A lot of villages have that. There's a nice cafe. You have all those things, but we pay for it. We lose a large chunk of equity when we move in, for example, and then when we pay a weekly fee. So we do expect to have some sort of decent return. Um, So, yes, I think there definitely are pluses, and I wouldn't want people to think otherwise because every village varies a little bit, but we are part of a large, very large complex, which is not just New Zealand anymore, but very widely in Australia. So, yeah, there are pluses. We'll come to the finances because that seems to be the biggest frustration for you and I understand that you did your due diligence, you didn't just sign on the bottom line, you had the small print looked at, is that right? Yes, correct I had a very, very good lawyer who's worked with retirement villages all his life and um, and so did friends of mine that I've got to know well here, so legally everything was well covered Um, so we we knew pretty much what we were up against but couldn't do anything about things such as we have a licensed to occupy here which means we're neither owners or renters so we're kind of in the middle of nowhere and legally that's that's fine but no one can get around it and that's part of the reason why we've been wanting this review 
And when it comes to the resale process, if I die, for example, <laughs> my weekly fees that can, will continue to be taken out of my remaining finances until my apartment is sold. And this means that some retirement villages just keep uh, stalling the sales. So that's money that I want to go to my children. I don't want that to go to, to a large conglomerate. We have no capital gains from the sales. And then large amounts of documentation, which we we went through fine with fine tooth comb, as you mentioned before. Due diligence was very clear, but there was lots of confusing parts of it, which we don't know till we're in here, until we're actually experiencing it, because on paper it looks fine, but health and safety issues are often just disregarded or put into another hard place. And when COVID happened, for example, decisions were made here by management that were off the cuff and came from nowhere and, to my mind, were very dangerous for the for the residents. Let's talk through the review. Residents like you are not taking this lying down, so to speak, so there is a push for change, right? Oh, there's been a big push, and um, we have a national residence or retirement villages um, residence committee, and there were almost, I think, 3,300 submissions to Parliament, which we presented to Parliament some months ago, and um, I believe something starts sort of in train now before the end of the year. So our representatives at the national level did a fantastic job in Parliament a few weeks ago. If the legislation is changed, there will still be hundreds of thousands of people presumably living under the old contract. So while that's perhaps not such an issue for your family, you must be feeling, and you'll know people at your village, I'm sure, for yeah. whom some kind of inheritance, they do feel obliged to try and pass on to their families. They do, and a lot of them feel that it's unfair. My children thought it was really unfair with the amount of equity we had to put in, and and that they picked up on the things that, that I've mentioned to you, you know, quite quickly, and basically said, you know, for future generations, this is this is never going to slow down, as I said before, and with or without COVID, this, this, is, this is huge business. You go to Melbourne and you can see they're just sprouting up in every suburb, you know. So residents are not benefiting nearly to the way that we should be. And there's a lot of people who are quite happy and will say, no, it's fine. I'm happy living here. I'm well looked after. They don't demand any more than that. And there'll be people moving into retirement villages who feel very strongly about that. I just happen to feel differently. And I think there's a lot more of us who are feeling like that because we move on still being healthy people. We're not on Zimmer frames. We're not having difficulty with mobility or with our faculties, hopefully. But I just think if we don't address it now, we, it'll never change. And um, yeah, that's why I'm, I'm hopeful now that it'll work for people in the future. That's Barbara sharing her retirement village experience and her hopes for the review that's now in the hands of the government. Connell, what's your ideal retirement situation? I'm not sure if you talked to the family about this yet. They may be hearing about it for the first time. Uh, well, I want to stay uh, alive a long time and live very healthily and happily. And, Good on you. Um, they say that loneliness is the biggest killer. Uh, so you want to be in an environment that you're not lonely. Uh, physically, I guess, um, and, and I'd, I'd love to stay in my own house with my own family to, to the day before I die. Sounds good to me. How about you, Paula? Uh, do you know what? I haven't actually given it very much thought, to be honest. It's sort of, I hope it's quite a long way away from now, but um, 
Yeah. I probably would take after my mother, I think, and like to stay in my own home for as long as possible. But didn't doesn't she, Barbara, was it Barbara, express that so well, the concerns that she has? I know so many of our elderly people who are in that situation, considering whether or not that, what, they should move into these kinds of homes. I know many of them are responsible, but it's really saddening to hear that even when you've done all that due diligence and taken solid legal advice that you're still left feeling the way she is. It sounds like something in a way in the contracts and the legislation that she's hoping that the review will address and it's good that it's on to it. I mean this came from a conversation I had saying for me the dream would be um, pitching in with some friends, buying a kind of nice large building uh, and it's all you know, chipping in some money for care, maybe for cleaners, that sort of thing. And I've heard this model has happened overseas. It may well be happening here in Aotearoa, New Zealand, but that kind of appeals to me more than a retirement village. Well, it'd be like going flatting again, wouldn't it? Like uh, back to your student days. I, I going never flatting went with a bunch of oldies. So. <laughs> no, I never had that experience. Oh, okay. And it's never well, too late, Len. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, I think I think knowing my friends would be dangerous in our eighties yeah. and nineties. Oh, look, I want to come to you. I've been thinking, Paula. I'm very keen to hear more about uh, yours, uh, and this relates to fire and uh, fury, right? Yeah, so at Stuff Circuit, the investigative team that I work in uh, at Stuff, we put out a documentary almost a couple of weeks ago called Fire and Fury, which really was a bit of a uh, deep look into some of the people behind some of the kind of violent disinformation and misinformation and rhetoric that is going a bit more mainstream these days. And we wanted to show people who they are and what they're saying. We knew that there would be some pushback to that. Uh, But we didn't anticipate really that it would be at the level that we've faced of threats and harassment and abuse and a violent rhetoric, which, you know, if anything, just proves the point of making the documentary. And I'm not looking for sympathy as a journalist because that's not what this is about. But uh, it does make me think about the environment that we work in, that politicians work in, that researchers in this field work in, The fact that we have to put in place measures that even a few years ago we would never have even had to consider should I think be a salutary warning to all of us about what we tolerate, what we accept as a society in terms of the conversations that we need to have. And I and I guess my plea would be that in the same way that we now don't accept casual racism, can we also step in when we see casual violence or casual bullying or casual abuse, harassment, online particularly, but also you know, in, the, in all sorts of environments, can we step in and call it out? Because... It's really ugly uh, out there and it's not a pleasant place to work in. I think the the intent is to chill those voices like ours who are exposing these things and, and that won't work, but we kind of need, um, we need help and support to be able to uh, illustrate and show where these people are going too far. And you've been in this business for a long time, Paula, for, so for this to get to you, it's got to be bad, I know. Uh, I have been in it for a long time, um, over 30 years, and I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's so much got to me as I've been alarmed by it, uh, and I do think that people need to be aware of the ugly new undercurrent of violence that we're seeing towards people who are trying to make sure that, as a society, we're aware of what's going on. And often they hide behind that anonymity that text, for example, can offer, which is really frustrating. We see it here too. Connor, any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, look, I think the newspapers have got a wee bit of responsibility on this themselves, to be frank, because they allow comment sections under a lot of their articles. 
Uh, and, you know, I had a, uh, well, I have a wife who, who did stand for the Mayor of Wellington, and uh, some of the comments under that when she was just putting her best foot forward and wanting to, you know, help the community were simply vicious. Uh, so I don't think it's just the, um, I don't think it's just the reporters who who are, you know, now saying, oh, we feel uh, it should be controlled. Uh, I think they should talk to their bosses about the comment sections under under the articles in the newspaper because politicians get hammered, uh, as do uh, people in business or anyone who's in the article. Look at the poor old All Black coach. He got absolutely hammered, uh, whether he deserved it or not. So, um, you know, perhaps look at the way you run your newspaper online and take some responsibility for it. I'm sorry to hear that your wife went through that. She shouldn't have. And I respect anybody who's going to put their hat in the ring for local government because it's, it's, uh, that's hard yakka. And she well, that's one of the reasons why they don't. Gone through that. Exactly. It's, it's that chilling effect again, mm. isn't it? Well, we heard that this year, you know, that desperate shout-out. Please, people, put your names forward to come on council. I think a lot of people were speculating it's about... Uh, the money, you know, that the money's not great. But I think what you're, what you're saying there is part of it too, Connor. It's pretty thankless. Yeah, you just get hammered. So wh- wh- why would you do that? Such a negative environment. Uh, and the newspapers are providing this environment for people who can just say whatever they feel like, rightly or wrongly. And they've been doing it for quite a long time. It hasn't just been since the, the freedom protest or whatever it's called they had down at Parliament. I think what I'm saying in relation to that, Connor, is yes, you're right, the comment sections can be vile, but at least they're moderated. I'm talking about different parts of the internet and a direct threat yeah, totally that come agree. into our inboxes. Yeah. The comment section, sections are moderated. That's the difference. Yeah, well, that's, that's one area that you could make a difference. We'll come back to you. I've been thinking, uh, Connor, because the news is coming up, but I thought I'd share this with you, Paula. Uh, text already in, and it's love, not trolling. You are an inspiration, says this listener. Uh, and also, the Stuff Circuit team has done a great job of exposing the dark side of conspiracy theorists in Aotearoa, as have other brave journalists. Uh, we'll share more of that love coming this way. It's good it can go both ways. Today's talking point two, are you going to vote in the upcoming local body elections? If not, why not? If you don't, can you whinge about it? Text us 2101 or email the panel at rnz.com. .co.nz. We will catch you the other side of the news.